You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of Clapback Culture. We were having a bit of technical difficulties, so I do apologize for the wait. However, I don't want to keep you guys waiting any longer. Um, tonight, JC is unable to join us tonight, but I did finagle a special guest. And I'm going to go ahead and bring them in now. Let's just get drum roll, please. Boom. <laughs> hello, hello. That's good. This is, um, let me introduce my guest, you guys, if you don't already know. This is my bae, hubby. Okay. My fiance. Love of my life. Rodriguez, Rodney Norman. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> government. Not the whole government. Yeah. So, back. How y'all doing? You're in the building. We outside, I guess. I'm excited. I'm excited, man. Thank you for having me. So man. for the rest of this show, I'm not going to be Bay. We're going to do this the professional way. I finally get on the platform and I'm ready. <laughs> there we go. Can you guys hear me? Boom. No, we can hear you fine. Uh, can you hear me? Because it's saying my mic is off. No, we can hear you. And it, right. doesn't matter, it don't matter if your mic off or not. I can kind of already know what you're saying. I just need to see your lips moving. <laughs> well, look, we're still waiting for Cuddy to get pulled into the background. But in the essence of time, you guys, we might as well get started to talk about a few of these um, these hot topics that we got. So that's a lot. So, Rado, I know you know you've watched the show. You know yep. how it goes. The first yep. half of the show, we're going to talk about in case you missed it. So, we're going to talk about some trending topics. Okay. Then we're going to do talk about our do it for the culture section before we move into our clap back of the day. So, right now, we're going to talk about a few hot topics. So, yep. Bob Lee is the founder of Cash App, and he was found dead in an apparent stabbing attack in San Francisco. This is crazy because they don't have any suspects. It was two o'clock in the morning. He is a father, a husband, um, and a top tech executive. What are your initial thoughts on this right now? So my initial thoughts is set up. So we've been hearing, obviously, over the last few months of all these top executives, all these top owners just dropping, right? And it all has to do with Bitcoin, or something around these um, these these digital currencies. Um, I just don't see I don't see the connection, or, or else the story wouldn't have been out. Um, there's no clear cut evidence with a guy like this having this kind of influence and this kind of money. There's no suspects. It makes no sense. I mean, it reeks cover up. It mm. reeks cover up. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so we're not going to do that on this show. But I'm telling you, something is fishy. Um, downtown San Francisco was lit up. I'm sure this is not his first time down there. And for him to get stabbed up, I mean, what is it given? So they haven't said it's a robbery. They haven't mm -hmm. said it's anything. They just said this, 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 this billionaire was walking downtown without security, without anything. He just walked into his death. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I always tell you that movies set us up, right? It, mm -hmm. it warms us up for what's actually happening. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of like killed this guy and just threw him downtown. But that's just me. Okay. Hey, and I'm saying this with caution to all of the people that's watching. Don't kill me. Okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> we're just having a show right here. Do not kill me. I'm well, just let me let me ask you this. So he's a he's a 43, 43 years young. He's a 43 year old. Um who's very rich. Who's very rich. He's in an affluent neighborhood. Uh-huh. So, but you know, the culture in San Francisco has been getting a little bit more turbulent, like a lot of other cities across the United States. Absolutely. Stabbing to me feels very personal. It does. Um, so it's there also isn't this indication that he was being robbed. So at 2.30 in the morning in an affluent neighborhood, someone's coming up and stabbing you. No. Feels very personal. Um, very personal. There also isn't a number of wounds, right? It's not. There's not a lot of details to say like he was stabbed multiple times. So a lot of the, like, you know, we as the public really don't have a lot of inside information on this. Um, They're really just saying like, this was a senseless tragedy. And I'm just, I I just don't know if I buy that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't buy it. And and, and it's given like, is this an attack from the hundred million people who get scammed on cash app and he never given a refund? I mean, I don't know. I mean, but do you think people knew who he was? I mean, he looks like an absolutely everyday not. person. No, absolutely not. So right. Photoshop is definitely one of the platforms where it's just too it's too big of a person. Like we know who Bill Gates is, but this wasn't somebody who was ever on the forefront, like really, you know, saying who he is or or, or really it's you not know, an so Elon Musk. Right? It's not that. It's not that. It's not giving Elon Musk at all. It's definitely not. You look real pretty, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I feel so good for him, though, because like I said, it's an unfortunate situation. But it's crazy because incidents like this have been getting swept under the rug for the last couple of years. I mean, you have billionaires who have been getting killed and all of a sudden it's just swept under the rug. So I'm you sure think this is a lot like the Bitcoin guys. that Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, they don't give a lot of details, but they do talk about a connection to a Bitcoin that he invested in. Um, and and I mean, all these things are just connected, you know, and, and it's just sad. Somebody is coming for our funds. Interesting. 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 Well, in the interest of time, we'll move on from this subject. But I did hear that there is a new digital currency coming out or a new digital way to receive money called Fed Now. So we'll come back next week and we'll talk about that. But I want to bring this other story to you. Um, this is this is a trippy story. You know, I love to pull up into the shade room, you guys. It gives no. you a lot of just interesting, crazy information. A lot of mess. A lot of a mess. A lot of mess. Um, and I don't know if you're looking in the comments, but we do have a few comments. So... Uh, Boosie, we're glad to see you on the show. Make sure you guys tap in. I want to hear your guys' um, comments on this next subject. So there's a 68-year-old Spanish actress. She's Spanish, like from Spain. Um, and she reveals that the there was a baby born through surrogacy that was fathered by her late son. Okay, I know that was a lot of information, so I'm going to tell you. So she sat down and did a recent interview with Ola Magazine. 
Um, and the child was born in Miami. So technically the baby is an American citizen. Um, and it's also technically her granddaughter. Well, her son passed away back in 2020 from cancer. Um, rest in peace to her son, Alessandro, um, who died. It, it, like I said, he died at the age of 27 years young. So very young. Um, and this actress, the mother says, you know, that a part of her son's last will and testament was that she really wanted that he really wanted a child. So in the interest of making sure that she honored his will, they took his sperm and conceived a baby through surrogacy. And then boom, you have this little baby girl. So here's the, here's the, the firestorm. Number one, people are trying to understand why would a grandmother of that age yeah. feel the need to, uh, you know, have this child come into the world with no parents or a, a grandparent only? And then secondly, uh, surrogacy is illegal in the country of Spain. And so that culture is an uproar saying, yeah, we know that you did it in America, but you're bringing the baby home to Spain. And, you know, we're not with that. Rodney, what are your thoughts on this? I'm interested to know. I'm not sure if you're ready for my thoughts on this. Um, my first thoughts is she have too much damn money. <laughs> she got too much money and you know what her race is without even understanding or seeing who her race is. So this is the first time in history that a person had a, had a grandbaby. <laughs> Not a baby, but a grandbaby. So she had a child and skip uh, generations. So I got so many questions that I'm sure none of us can answer, right? The first one is, how in the world did she get sperm from her son? Right. The second thing is, why are you committing incest? The third thing is, lady, what are you doing? This is not normal. So now you're going to raise a child. We not understand if this child will have deformities for one. And then two, who's going to raise this child? So you're telling me when this child becomes 18, she's going to be what? Damn near 80? Yeah, not almost 90. Listen, man, the world is getting out of control. Everyone's just trying stuff. I'm sorry. I love technology, but we're too far ahead. We need to slow down. So let me, let me correct let me correct your comments a little bit. One, it's not incest because she did not have the baby. Someone else had a baby. No, no, no. I cannot agree with that. Technically, it is her eggs with her son. No, no, it's not her egg. So who? what is it? It's the egg of the surrogate. So it would be like she hired someone, the surrogate. Okay. And then gave the sperm to that woman to have the baby. But that the surrogate doesn't have anything to do with the baby. They're just okay. a big body so, vessel so, to so have the baby. Still, so still, she still got too much money. She paid for a grandbaby. And yes. now that is true. <laughs> That's long money. <laughs> That's long I money. I feel so. This is, when, when, when you say it like that, now it's a flex. I look at it as kind of like a flex. I well, I'm I still think that it's very selfish. And I'll yeah. say why. I am the mother of a son, and I understand, and you know, I did a deep dive and looked all through her Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I can tell that she had a very loving relationship with her son. It seems like that was her only child. 
he was very young to pass away from something like that. And I think in the grieving process, she did something very dramatic um, and conceived a child and placed a child into the world. But I, I call it selfish because of this. This child is now being raised with no parents. Right. And she's at an age where she's not going to live long enough to be able to help raise and cultivate this little girl. You know what I'm saying? So by the time she's 21, I mean, and don't get me wrong, 68, sis is looking good. Okay. She's looking grand. We got a picture. Um, Because I would love to see what this is. Boom. Okay. Sis looks good. You know what I'm saying? She's looking good. She's healthy. She's in a loving, committed relationship with a, a man. She's she's quite normal aside from this situation. However, it's still very selfish because you're close to 70 years old. By the time the baby is, you know, 30, you'll be 100. You're not even going to likely be living on this earth. And I think it's a disappointment mm-hmm. because without I say that without knowing the full contract of the family dynamic, but this child is being born into a world with no parents. And for her to selfishly do that, to have a piece of her son for the last couple of years of her life, I think it's just very selfish. Two things. Again, she got too much time and too much money. money. Too much time and too much money. She didn't created a new family, a new strand on her own. And look at her to be 68. She looked amazing. But it, it reeks money all over. She got money lotion on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's another story. Um, Cuddy, let me know if are we good? Are we good on videos right now? Can we shoot to some videos? Let's see if we can do that. Um, perfect. We do got some videos. So there is a video I want to play for you guys. There is a story that took over social media um, earlier last or late last week. Um, and it actually was in a lot of DMB hood news. Okay. Uh, and the conversation was that, uh, there was a shooting at Dulles. Oh, I heard about this. Yep. I heard about this. There was a shooting at Dulles mall and before pictures and everything was revealed, social Mm -hmm. media was going off because they were like, Oh, that's why, you know, all everybody in Southeast and DC, now that they got train access to Dulles, they shooting up the mall. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was a white man, by the way. Wasn't a black man. Well, and not only that, it was all for a YouTube prank. So apparently a YouTuber was pranked, was in the mall doing pranks. And this guy did not like what he was doing. Let's go ahead and watch the video and we'll come back. We'll talk about it. Let's so see. After all of that, today our Matthew Torres spoke to the victim's family. And Matthew, did they say what may have caused all of this? Well, Leslie, to be clear, this is still under investigation by the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office. But according to the victim's family, he was creating some sort of a prank video for his YouTube page and interacting with the suspect when he was shot. Court documents identified the victim as Tanner Cook. Tonight, his father telling me that he is expected to make a full recovery. You know, it's just like surreal. Um, I couldn't believe it. But tonight, Jeremy Cook says despite what happened to his son, he is slowly recovering in the ICU. It's his faith in God guiding the family through this difficult journey. And I believe that God saved my son's life um, and that 
he could have very easily died, and that's not the outcome and that God has plans for my son. 21-year-old Tanner Cook was critically shot in the stomach inside Dulles Town Center Sunday. Witnesses capturing deputies arresting the suspect, 31-year-old Alan Coley. The gunfire causing customers to run and hide. The victims are more than just the people who were directly involved in the incident. There are the people who will have secondary trauma from this who may never walk back in this mall again. Coley is facing three serious charges, including aggravated malicious wounding. <laughs> Cook is a content creator for the YouTube page Classified Goons. His father saying they were making another video leading up to the shooting. And they were making a video in the mall and trying to have fun with people. And this guy wasn't having fun. And, and uh, there was a phone that was around him and... and um, they were interviewing him or talking to him and he didn't like it and pulled the gun out and shot my son. According to the family, there is video of what happened, but that video is now evidence. This father says despite what Coley is accused of doing, he doesn't hold bitterness or anger towards him. We need healing. We need to come together. I love parents because parents yeah. don't never see nothing wrong with their stop, kids. Stop playing. Stop playing with people. You know what I'm saying? Stop playing with grown men. When grown men are not playing now, did he take it too far with actually shooting them? In my opinion, I would say yes. It's funny because you heard the, the, the woman on there talking about trauma and how people will have the secondary trauma. But what she, what she didn't, what she failed to mention was that how do you know this man who shot him didn't already have his trauma? We are dealing in a very sensitive age where no one's playing. You cannot be comfortable in big spaces, malls. Somebody look over your shoulder. Everyone is on alert. Everyone is on panic. You cannot be running up on people uh, with your phone trying to prank nobody and think it's a game. It's not a game to everybody. It is not a game. And this is a clear example as to why you can't do that. I mean, I'll be watching this stuff. And, I, and me, now, you know, I'm goofy. So I watch a lot of these pranksters and I get on YouTube and I laugh and I laugh, but it's not always funny. I just seen people catch heart attacks and everything from this stuff, man. You can't be playing with everybody like this. And look at that white man. That white man look crazy. <laughs> I'm going to let you give your take on it, Lucy, but I'm telling you, had it would have been a black man, the storyline would have been totally different. For one, let's point out what the name of his YouTube channel is classified goons imagine what that looked like with a black face oh my goodness are we even gonna go there so that's number one number two let it would have been a black man that shot that guy oh my god for one i wouldn't have been walked out of any handcuffs i've been walked out of there with a black bag on the structure that's number mm -hmm. one and then number three or number four and number five if this was a black person, it would just all been bad. And it would have been on every news station and our father and mother would not have been able to talk. But go ahead. I think it's, you know, I'm listening to the dad. Right. And the dad is just, you know, obviously he's just certainly taking up for his son. And he's like, you know, wow, I'm not totally proud of everything that he does on this YouTube channel. It's all in good fun. And, you know, people should laugh about that. But you're playing a very dangerous game in America right now where gun reform laws are having lawmakers even lose their job for trying to like crack down on this kind of stuff. You don't know where people's headspace is at nowadays. And so for me, I wouldn't be playing with the public. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he literally dodged a bullet like this. He was shot multiple times in the stomach. He had to get multiple emergency surgeries. He's now out of the ICU. And he even made a decision to do an interview um, over the phone with uh, the news media. And to that, I say, wow, like 
you literally almost lost your life and you're still looking and kind of chasing this clout. That alone is very toxic. Is this guy going to use this video? Because the police took the footage and um, are holding it as evidence. Are you going to use this video and continue to try to get like clout after it? I think he is like, I think he's not going to learn his lesson in this situation to say, like, find something better to do. So you can have a career in media. You can have a career in being creative. And a lot of people have these like really funny um, prank videos. But when you see things escalating, you do have to reel it back. And to your point, like, you know, you and I sit back and we watch these videos and we laugh. But at what point? Um, is someone going to really point out the danger in that? Because some people just ain't playing. You know what I'm saying? It's not given that. So, um, you know, I think the dad needs to have a realistic conversation with his son. And I hope that he doesn't go back to creating these stupid videos and putting himself back in harm's way, because this could essentially repeat itself. <laughs> you said you said some people not you said um, some people not playing. You can say it again. You cannot be running up on no people. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. They're going to use this for clout. They're going to use this to get his um, his YouTube views up and more subscribers. And he's going to continue to, to do this thing again. If it was my son, this would have been his last prank. Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Cairo, look, Cairo, don't start no stuff. Rio, don't start no stuff. Period. Period. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get to know Rodney a little bit more. It'll be one year home. And so we're going to have a little conversation about everything that you've been up to. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. What's up, everybody? You know, me and Besa, my girl, we had to pull up to Market Street Shoes once again, y'all. And you know, we do this every season. We have to get the new shoes, the new boots. And this time, I even got a coat. Yeah, no, you did walk in without a coat. I really I'm glad did. you found one. But their boots were on point. Yes, the boots, the bags. I even grabbed a flannel. Yeah, you did. You know, and I was able to get some hats and everything. I was really impressed. And you know, I was impressed because, of course, I got those white boots that you guys see me wearing everywhere these days. Yeah, no, I, I look at your white boots and I'm like, darn it, they only have one pair. Me and Basin wear the same size. Of course, every time we walk out with several bags in hand. Several bags and sometimes even a backpack, you guys. Make sure you check out Market Street Shoes. Yeah, please check them out. where they go, Basa? Ooh, 2232 Northwest Market Street, Seattle, Washington. All right, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's a clapback culture. Um, I'm your host, Jules Jesse. And today I have a special guest, you guys, um, who's co-hosting with me, my the love of my life, my who's also my best friend, my partner in crime, no pun intended, uh, Rado. And today I want to ask him a little bit of questions um, because we're approaching his one year anniversary of being home. So Rodney, come on back. And we're just I just want to chop it up with you a little bit. It's interesting because um, we always talked about me getting guests on the show and kind of like how I wanted to do um, the guest kind of segments. And you're my first guest. <laughs> so we're going to do a little bit of interviewing. So we're approaching a really pivotal um, anniversary for you. Um, obviously, something that I'm certainly excited about. I would assume that you're very excited about it as well. Talk to the viewers a little bit about um, your journey um, and the one year anniversary and just kind of like what this means to you. So it means a lot. Um, it's funny because I, I really wasn't prepared 
to really answer this or, or even like kind of think about it. Right. But I can say that I hit the ground running. Um, for one, I'm blessed, uh, very blessed. Um, I've been fortunate to accomplish so many things over this last year. Right. Um, cultivating a great relationship with us, family, and also with having um, our phenomenal and great baby boy who was a Christmas baby. Um, along the way, um, I've also, you know, obtained a career. You know, my favorite um, saying is always without a vision that people should perish. And I finally um, figured out what my vision is. And that's, you know, being out here helping these at-risk uh, youth. And it's just, it's been phenomenal. It's been a great thing. I'm currently, um, I work for Cure the Streets, an organization that basically uh, mediates conflict all over Washington, D.C., primarily in Ward 8. And I just enjoy it because, you know, it's a it goes tenfold. You know, it's one thing to just come in and mediate, you know, conflicts or squash beefs. But we're also able to pour into these young people so that they don't make the same mistakes that some of us made. And that's my main objective. Um, when you get behind that wall and you make mistakes, it's no help there. Um, it's very, very easy to, to to get in and it's the hardest thing in the world to get out. And I've learned that. So now I have dedicated my entire life to making sure that our youth who are troubled, who are puzzled <laughs> and um, who really don't understand life to kind of incorporate and help them with their vision so that they can be successful along the way. And I do it every day. Um and I've juggled it. Um, I made a promise um, to you, who was also the love of my life, Miss Julia uh, Jesse, and that was to slow down. And when I came home, it might have seemed very fast for people, but for me, it's the slowest pace that I've ever went. You know, in my life, um, I've done everything the right way, and I'm gonna continue to do every everything the right way. But April twelfth, which is my actual um, one year anniversary. I am going to turn it up phenomenally, you know, as far as discipline wise, um, you know, continuing to build our life and our vision and, um, you know, continue to go that route. Um, you know, there are changes in life, but understanding how to stay level headed during the storm is the most important. I read this quote and it says that we have to understand the seasons that we're in. We have to understand that a lot of times we panic when there's a storm. But if we understand that at the end of that storm and what that rain rain does to that soil, then we understand what the finished product is once we get out of our storm, that we can, you know, really understand how things will flourish in life. And that's just how I am. You know, I, I kind of understand that sometimes it's a storm, but after that storm, it has to be a calm. If you can really believe that there are seasons to life the same way that there are seasons, um, you know, in the world as far as climate, that you'll understand that you will get your your summer days and you but you will get your stormy nights. Mm. I think I saw that on your Instagram, um, your your tag today, and I thought that was pretty poignant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that, so what what say you to somebody who's watching? Um, for, and for those that don't know, let me clarify: Rodney is just returning home. He had a ten year prison sentence. He fortunately served five of those 10 years um, in federal prison. He's now been home for one year coming up on April the 12th. And, um, you know, you have this interesting dichotomy. And on one hand, I feel like the year before your incarceration, I remember making this post and it was like, you know, 
here you are turning, you know, 30 and you've beat all the odds. You came out the hood, you graduated high school, you went to college and graduated from college, Mm -hmm. take care of your kids. Like you've totally beat all the stereotypes and Mm -hmm. and you've never been, you've never been to jail. This is your first offense. And Mm -hmm. you got all of this time for those who kind of don't understand how someone like you who can kind of beat these odds every single time. What do you say to them um, when they're out in community and like doing, doing this work, when they're thinking about hiring um, uh, returning citizens, when they think about hiring people who do have a criminal past, what do you, how, how, how would you tell them to kind of interface with the returning citizen population uh, particularly someone like you or even individuals who, you know, may have a more of a troubled past. How how would you say it? life is different? Your viewpoint is different. Your perspective is different. And how can they kind of tap into that a little bit? Well, my advice to them would be to just be fully transparent. Um, one of the things in which I'm able to go to sleep every day in peace and wake up in peace it's because I've learned to be transparent. I've learned to love who I am and I've, and I've learned to own up to my mistakes. I don't believe you could be a man unless you own up to your mistakes, right? So excuses are for the weak. You know, this world needs results. Um, I stand on, um, you know, why I went to prison and I was cutting corners. And I tell people, you got to do everything the right way. You can't cut corners because eventually it'll catch up to you. I made those mistakes. And um, as a result, I had to serve the time. I don't I don't hide from it. Um, I don't I don't feel shame from it. It's a part of my past. And now all I can do is look towards the future. My advice to all young people is to man say that you can get it right right now. Mm. And sometimes people have to understand you got to start today. Um, there are so many people from my past who I tell you have to meet me today because I'm not the same Rodney that I was five years ago, six years ago, or one year ago. And if you love that Rodney, thank you. But even today, now that I'm a more, more mature man, um, I'm more, I have more life experiences under my belt. And of course, every day I wanna get better and better and better. So I have already given the public apology to anyone that I've offended in any kind of way. Um, but now moving forward, I want you to meet Rodney, the 36-year-old man that's accountable for everything in his life. And, and, I'm, and I, wanted, I wanted to be a pleasure to meet you there, right? Mm. And I give that advice to people because people will always blame you for their failures. And what I mean by that is that people will always portray their failures onto you or, 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 or have you to blame for their mistakes. My mistakes are my mistakes. Your mistakes are your mistakes. But, you know, we all have um, access to tomorrow and tomorrow can be a new day, no matter what you've done today, what you've done today. As we know that, you know, the things that we do affect our future, it still doesn't matter. When I go out here, I'm myself. When I go out here in these streets, when I meet my young people, I tell them I love them. I tell them they can be anything they want to be. And I encourage them, you know. What I've seen is that our young brown and black boys in, in which, you know, I serve, what I see is that they are the most gifted, they are special, 
they have the most energy. They are they are um, excited. They they have so much wisdom, but they don't have that the the knowledge base as to how to get rich, or the knowledge base on how to open a business, or the knowledge base on how to do anything productive other than what they see in their environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is try to educate them. You know, I try to bring resources to them to, to let them know that there is another way. You know, while most people are a product of their environment, I try to let them see outside of their environment. Another one of my favorite quotes is saying that you can't attain something unless you see it, right? So a lot of our young people never been outside of their neighborhoods. I try my best to put them, you know, outside of the neighborhoods or at least put their mind outside of the neighborhood so that they can grow. Mm. Y'all see why I'm about to marry this man. <laughs> um, so one year, mm-hmm. what is, so what does it look like moving forward? You talked about the future. Um, and I think that's oh. very powerful. Absolutely. You know, every day you wake up and you have tomorrow. So what does tomorrow look like for you? What is the future hold you next? So I got goals. You know, I I want I want to be rich. I want to be rich to wipe the right way for my family. I want to be rich to be able to afford, you know, those that come behind me a better life. The work that I do, um, you can't get rich doing that work. You have to be rich at heart to be able to give that to your community. And I am that. But business-wise, um, you know, I have to keep continue to build our construction company. Um, I have to keep, you know, um, you know, doing my investments, and I won't share all of those um, online because usually when a person, you know, gets your idea, they take it and run. So let me brand things a, a little bit, and then I'll give y'all some of that sauce, right? <laughs> um, but looking forward, um, in order for for me to be successful, right? And I have to be successful in order for you and the rest of our family to be successful. For one, I have to be accountable. Um, I have to be fearless. And I have to be able to stand in who I am. I have to be able to love myself so I can love you and the rest of our family. And, and it's a day-to-day um, task, right? It's not hard, but you have to be focused and you have to understand that this world can beat you up. You have to have someone to come home to to be able to, to kind of unravel those things so that you can be prepared to go back into this world, right? Because this world is just not always the most loving, it's right? Not, not always friendly. It's not. It's not always friendly. So you have to be able to understand that, so you can know. You know, when you're going into that fire, if you know that you're walking into that fire, and you, you know, and you could be prepared to walk into that fire, you you don't get you don't get burned as much. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like you had this kind of insight perspective before incarceration? Yes, absolutely. So I felt like I did, um, but still I cut corners and I wasn't as accountable. And for those reasons, you know, um, they, they told me out the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just be real. They told me out the frame. And what happened was that I was in a dark place. Um, you know, as you know, when I was arrested, I lost everything. Our relationship was on the rocks, um, you know, lost the house, cars, money. You just lose everything. And then you have to reinvent, reset, and really see who really care. And that was the first time I really seen that a lot of people didn't care. And my feelings was hurt for so many years because so many people that I took care of, I felt forgot about me. And I felt like, you know, kind of turned their back on me. A lot of people in the case that I love um, turned their back on me by cooperating and things of that nature. So it it didn't... It showed me something, but it didn't spoil me. 
Mm. Um, through the grace of God, I was still able to forgive everybody. And the way that I got through it was understanding that people are who they are. And you can't change those people no matter what I've done for them. I have to, you know, I have to say, you know, that was my gift. I love you. And I have to move forward because if you allow yourself to soak in angers and anger and regret, then you'll, you'll never be able to grow. Smart. You'll never be able to grow. And I refuse not to be able to grow. So when I see people, it's the same thing. I love them. Um, I feel like that's God's gift. He's given me a heart to be able to love and, and be able to get through things that other people can get through. And, and, you know, my mind is, is set on success and I'm not going to allow anyone to stop that. I'm not going to allow, um, you know, any bad day, any emotional day, any attack from the spirit or the actual, you know, person or the government. Mm-hmm. Any attack, you know, I take it all in, I breathe and I smile and that's how I get through. Well, thank you, Rodney. Well, we appreciate you coming on our show. Of course, we want you to hang in with us a little bit longer because we got some clapbacks to do. All well, right. Let's do it. You know what? I had to kind of get a little serious. You want to talk about the life and all that, but let's yeah, You know, we want to get to know you. We'll bring you look. It, it's a it's a joyous occasion. And Absolutely. you know, it's it's important for us to have some of those deep moments so people can understand your perspective. I'm back. We outside. <laughs> Not for real. Not all right. Me. We'll definitely have to have you back to talk about what we're doing in celebration of the one year. It's gonna be Absolutely. a Turn up for sure. Nothing but love and laughs. But listen, instead of going to break, we're going to jump right into this. So the NCAA women's basketball has been on the mouths of everyone recently, um, including uh, First Lady Jill Biden, who kind of put her foot in her mouth. Let's take a look. Did First Lady Jill Biden get so excited about the women's basketball championship game, she put her foot in her mouth. As she celebrated LSU's victory over Iowa, Dr. Jill suggested both teams come to the White House. So I know we'll have the champions come to um, to the White House. We always do. So, you know, we'll have LSU come. But you know what? I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. Problem is, that's never been done before. And no matter her intention, the idea landed with a giant thud. Let's keep tradition, tradition, which is a special visit for the winner. Because you won. I don't know. Being the girl, I'm saying bring all the women. Listen, you can't invite both to the White House, can you? (laughs) No. LSU star player Angel Reese tweeted a joke. Looks like the first lady heard the booze. Today, she's walking back on the concept of inviting the losing team as well as the winners. She looks forward to celebrating the LSU Tigers on their championship win at the White House. Joe Biden. Well, clearly she wasn't trying to be malicious, but here's the thing with that. (laughs) here's what I hate about that when it comes to women's sports it's looked at like oh all the girls can be involved but if it were men who won the championship that wouldn't even have been a thought and you know first lady Biden went to the game she was super amped up about it I think they said something like 12 million people were watching it's the highest 
viewed college basketball game um, uh, amongst men and women's sports that was viewed on ESPN. Um, the highest rated uh, show for uh, women. The game was spectacular. The girls balled out. Um, it was very competitive all the way up into the end. Um, and, and before I bring it back to you for comment, I want to add one more thing in there. Already. <laughs> so, of course, Angela Reese, who has a bit of an edge, she plays for LSU, was going against uh, Caitlin Clark, who is known as the Steph Curry in women's basketball right now. Hell and of a pair. And also the golden white child. Keep going. So these two went head to head. LSU took the championship and she hit her with the John Cena. Let's yeah. take a look and we'll come back and we'll add that to this combination of story. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> LSU has captured its very first national championship. Just days after their schools went head to head in the most watched women's college basketball game ever. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark weighing in on this heavily debated split screen at the center of the controversy. Clark doing the so-called you can't see me move when Iowa beat Louisville, punching their card to the final four. The Iowa standout was celebrated for the move, even called the queen of clapbacks. Reese doing the exact same move towards Clark in the national championship game. And Angel Reese knows a ring is coming. But only Reese was heavily criticized, called everything from classless to worse, sparking heated conversations this week. When Caitlin did it, people were celebrating it. But then the second a sister stepped up and threw it back in her face, now you got half the basketball world saying, well, you know what? That's not that's not the classiest thing to do. When Caitlin Clark did this, uh, John Cena, it was considered swag. 48 hours later, Angel. Mm. All right, so there's, Are you ready? there's Are so you much ready? to talk about. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Okay. You always want to be politically correct, and you always want to say things the right way. That's not me, babe. Mm-hmm. This is white and black. Okay, before we even talked about the John Cena, I didn't even know that's what that was called. But Caitlin Clark has always been seen as the white golden child. And yes, she's nice. I like her game. But the reason why Jill uh, Biden wanted to bring her to the White House because she's seen her poor, distressed little white girl get beat. Guess what? If it was LSU in South Carolina, I bet she wouldn't have said that. Mm. But Iowa, all white team, and I hate to say it like this, but I'm just being real. Because if you, if you, even if you see that, and we're going to get to the second part of the segment with the whole thing, but even if you see that, it's all a white and black thing. When, when Caitlin first did this after the game to a black school, Louisville, and did this to him, no one cared. They praised her. But when she lost and her feelings was hurt and Angela Reese did this, the same thing, now we got a thug. They continue to label black people as aggressive. They continue to label us as thugs. They continue to label us as irate. And they continue to push that narrative over the media streams. They have done it for years and they will continue to do it. It has shown Jill Biden does not want no black girls that they look, that she look at in that way to the White House. She wanted Caitlin Clark. She was there screaming, cheering, and behind the scenes, she had on a, a red, white, and blue hat with a Caitlin Clark jersey the whole championship, praying that that sweet young white woman would come up there. And I'm sorry to say it, but that I'm just being real with you. It shows. So she was wearing her jersey? 
I, no, I just made that up to make. Oh, okay. I was like, dang. I mean, it's it's in support, and I mean, it's it's crazy, y'all, because I posted this thing on on my story today. And if you if you in the locker room, they show Iowa um their pregame warm up, and you know pregame everybody kind of get hyped, and they were playing like some country music that was really soft. And then you go to LSU and they playing boosty bad so they turn. You know what I'm saying? So the culture is different, and why the culture is different that shows. You know, when we talking about the presidency, and you talking about Jill. She's not excited that someone came and, and, and put their hand in the face of her precious young Caitlin Clark. No, let's stop it. I'm I'm, I'm not here for any of it. Um, Angela Reese is a, is, is a great um young lady from Baltimore. LSU is a phenomenal team. Iowa, uh, my hats go off to you. But this whole that this whole she bullied her. This whole she was classless. Let's stop it because I really love how Caitlin responded in defense of Angela Reese, though. She came out and said, listen, guys, no one should be criticizing Angela Reese. Mm -hmm. Like, we do a lot of smack talking in basketball. It's not that serious, right? And you and I had this conversation offline. If this had been men's basketball, no, it wouldn't have been, first of all, it wouldn't have been a black and white issue and it wouldn't have been an issue of class or, or competitiveness, right? That's not the first time Caitlin did that, not to cut you off, but. No, that's, that's her thing. thing. Yeah, that's, that's her thing. thing. Yeah. So, and, and Angela Reese, you know, I'm glad that she's as tough as she is because she. Stood up, stood up for all the other black women that she did that to all through the damn season. Cause she was knocking them off. Yep. Thank you, queen. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and, and she said and she stood she doubled down on that and she was like, I couldn't wait to hit her with that. No way. Like, I couldn't wait to hit her with I couldn't wait to hit her with the John Cena. Unless you their first championship, they deserve it. It's their first championship in two years in I think no, two, ever, ever, ever. And they had a losing season over the last years. I think they said like they only won nine games last season. So these are also 20 year old athletes. They're young. You know what I'm saying? They're young. They're super competitive. Um, the sport should include some trash talking. I think people who have such harsh criticism for that need to just relax. It's relax. not that serious. And I also think it was interesting in this women's basketball to see the two cultures kind of collide because the two teams were totally different. Yeah, um, very much so. And at diversity should be celebrated more than it should be pitted against each other. Right. Because I thought it was really cute that someone put together the two TikToks to show like what LSU was doing in the locker room versus what is what Iowa was doing in the locker room. And no matter what, it was a great game. And the two teams that got there deserve to be in the championship. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to overly criticize uh, lady uh, first lady Biden. But what I am going to say is that her natural inclination. While wasn't malicious, it, it goes to show you the thought process of a traditional white woman in America who's like, oh, well, everyone can just go instead of really taking a moment to say, no, these are the champions. If Iowa had won, please. I was I was waiting for you to say that. If Iowa would have won, 
If Iowa would have won, it would be like, let's invite LSU. It wasn't giving that. It was never giving that. And it won't give that. And I just think it's important for, it should not be lost on us that we, we we, we don't need to coddle losers, right? LSU won won the game fair and square. They're champions. And I love that Angela Reese decided that she was strongly clapped back and said, absolutely not. What a joke. And And, and then said, we're, we're not going period. And said, well, we're going to come, we're going to come. So I'm sure they talked her off the ledge, but listen, LSU girls were like, what'd she say she was going? Michelle Obama house. Thank you. Get back in office, man. We miss you, Slap. No, for real. I, I, you know, I'll say this: LSU. I mean, the the Biden administration better roll out that red carpet for them LSU girls, and Lady Biden better pull Miss Reese to the side and apologize to her because even though that wasn't her intention it still was very hurtful in a season that only LSU should be celebrated, period. Honestly, I don't see that happening. Out of all the first ladies that I've really seen, like really just doing advocacy work in the community and stuff like that, this is my first time ever even hearing or seeing Jill Biden. So I think she just was, I think, no, it's not my first time seeing her. It's just, you know, She's she was clueless in how things are done. You know what I'm saying? It's never been done. Losers to why would you invite the losers to the White House? It's not giving that. I think we should just invite everyone. No, no, we shouldn't invite everyone. Then it's not special if we invite everyone. It's not special. special. Um, and so yeah, I'm glad they walked that back. Um, but again, I don't think she was being malicious. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dog her out. But you know, Angela Reese is she's great. You know, she's great for doing that. But listen, you guys, that's our show tonight. We're gonna that's it. I wanted some more. I know. Well, we're out of time. That's the thing. Okay. Well, it was a pleasure um, being on the show with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm finally on Clapback. Listen, when you're not on Clapback Culture, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Instagram at Rado007. That's R-O-D-D-O-E-007. Or you guys can catch me on Facebook at the same tag, Rado007. TikTok, Rado007. That's me. I love y'all. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. We hope to have you soon. Um, I'm your host, guys, Jules Jesse. You guys know where to find me. Instagram and Twitter at Treasure of J-U-L-E-S. You know what it is. Please pull up and follow me. Slide into my DMs. Let me know what you want to talk about for next week. Until then, I'll see you next week. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.